you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Football Morning in America mini podcast. I'm Peter King. This is Monday. It's December 23rd. It's about 2.25 a.m. Got done a little bit early with my writing this evening and uh, this morning. And I've got a little bit of a different mini pod for you as we discuss and break down week 16 in the National Football League. Um, I'm going to give you two little snippets from interviews I did this week, one on Sunday with Michael Thomas, the record-breaking receiver for the New Orleans Saints. He broke Marvin Harris's, Marvin Harrison's long-standing single-season receiving mark of 143 catches. And so I just asked Michael Thomas what he thought, and you'll hear the you know, my sort of start question and his answer. And I apologize for the sound quality. It's not the best, but his phone wasn't really very good. Can you tell me what it feels like to have caught more passes in a season than any player in the 100-year history of the NFL? Man, I haven't really, like, I don't think it's it yet. Um, I have so much more bigger goals. Um, Way more team-oriented goals, uh, you know, and it's just a blessing to be in that in, in that position and be in, be in this position and have this opportunity to do something like that, but I'm still not finished. So that's part one of taking you into my job. Part two uh, is a little bit longer snippet of a conversation I had with Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, about what has made the difference in him this year I wrote a chunk in my column about that this week and really I'm so interested in Kirk Cousins because there's not a nicer guy in the NFL and there's not a more earnest hard trying guy in the NFL he's the kind of guy that you sort of root for and the Vikings have changed their offense massively this year And I think it's much to the benefit of Kirk Cousins. So let's listen to Cousins talking about the differences in his world as he prepares to face the Green Bay Packers tonight in Minnesota. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I'm under center a lot more than I've been in the past few years. Um, I was probably in the shotgun more in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18. Now I'm back under center again. And again, I go back to it mirrors 12 and 13. That's kind of where I was then, too. So then I had this middle stage in my career where we did some other things, like you said, that are more common around the league. And then this year I've gone back to 
what I did my first couple of years. But under center more, um, certainly a lot of play action. Uh, the the plays are are called and run such that um, you know you 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 play fast. You're not up at the line of scrimmage a long time trying to make the perfect check. Uh, we're just playing with with good tempo and a sense of urgency and getting up and getting the ball snapped and uh, making the answers uh, right after the snap as opposed to before. How much of, uh, of, of sort of a tug of war has there been at all between you and Kevin Stefanski at all between, because obviously in the NFL, you've played mostly from, you know, some form of the offense that you guys ran last year. Has has there been a lot of sort of, I don't even mean butting of heads necessarily, but I mean yeah. philosophical, uh, hey, let's do this, uh, y- you know, that you would like to maybe do a little bit more wide open, or how exactly has that gone between you and him? Yeah, I, um, you know, in 2018, I had over 600 attempts, um, was in the shotgun a lot, and while um, I guess... You know, it was it was a lot of opportunities. It it really was also more challenging because defenses were able to rush the passer more aggressively. They didn't have to stop the run as honestly. And so, you know, what could be perceived initially as a great opportunity to throw the ball so much also at times can be a, a challenge as well because you're throwing the ball so much. <laughs> um, and I think where this system has been a positive was um, – you know, I have a role to play, but it's it's not going to be on me in the shotgun every snap. It's going to be you know, running the football. It's going to be, uh, you know, using other people to, to, to move the ball. And um, when we first started in the spring, I had questions. I, I you know, didn't wasn't quite sure with Kevin's background not being with the Kubiaks, how much of it would be a, a mixed bag and how much would it be true to what I knew when I was a rookie. And, um, uh, you know, I think, there has been elements of Kevin's background that are not consistent with Gary's that have shown up in our offense, but for the most part, it's, uh, you know, it mirrors quite a bit of what I did with the Shanahan's and, uh, I think it's been very effective. Um, but certainly, you know, there were times where our offensive plan of attack was not meant to have success against Mike Zimmer's blitz heavy looks in OTAs. And we were at times struggling a little bit going against our defense in practice when they were sending a lot of unique looks. And, you know, I think, the, you know, Clint Kubiak, the quarterback coach, had to talk me off the ledge a few times because <laughs> I, was frust- I was frustrated with that part of it. But uh, uh, it was interesting how when the season arrived and it was, you know, real football and not just practice and OTAs, this system has, has you know, really been a great answer for me and for us. And, uh, you know, for a great talent like Dalvin Cook. And so, um, you know, I think I think it really starts with running the football. And we've run the football effectively. And, and then from there, been able to play action. And then from there, had more manageable third downs. And, and uh, you know, been able to do other things off of that. And now, let's do what we always do in a column. I'll give you a chunk of the top of my column, then give you some highlights, and uh, then we'll go through game by game in week 16, including one game that really kind of blew me away. And I think anybody who watched the game will say the exact same thing. But first, I led my column with a conversation I had with Carson Wentz 
on Sunday evening after the Eagles beat the Cowboys 17-9. The Eagles now, much to everyone's surprise, and I think much to many people in Philadelphia's surprise, uh, they have taken over, uh, come back from being 5-7 and and taken over the NFC East. All they need to do is beat the Giants on Sunday at the Meadowlands. Uh, and they'll have a very unlikely, at least in my opinion, division title. So here's what I wrote at the top of the column about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's December 23rd. It's the most wonderful time of the year. But from the sound of Carson Wentz's voice Sunday night, it might be a lot more of a wonderful life for him than for you or I. It's December 23rd. And Wentz is not in a back brace or gimping around with a surgically repaired knee. In December two years ago, there was the season-ending Super Bowl-eliminating knee injury suffered against the Rams. In December last year, there was the season-ending broken bone in his back that took Wentz away from another Magic Eagle run to the playoffs. Foles envy. Major Foles envy. So much about this crazy Eagles run from five and seven three weeks ago to eight and seven and having a firm grip on the NFC East seems like the football gods paying Wentz back. Think about it. Hurt in December in two straight serendipitous seasons. The Eagles, in a show of faith, extended his contract for four years at $32 million per in July. The early returns were depressing, mostly. Slumping and wholly inconsistent Wentz loses at home to the Lions, gets humiliated at Dallas, can't throw worth a darn in losses to New England and Seattle, and starts December with a desultory loss at Miami. The next week, on the one-year anniversary of fracturing a vertebra in his back, Wentz and the Eagles reach the edge of a cliff. They're down to the Giants, 17-3 at the half. Windy, rainy, ugly, and some new players, Wentz said. At halftime, we're thinking, time to go, now or never. This is the season. They won that night behind Wentz. They won the next week in Washington behind Wentz. And they upset Dallas Sunday, 17-9, behind Wentz in their best defensive performance of the year holding the top-ranked offense in the league to three field goals and three of 14 on third downs. If Philadelphia wins in the Meadowlands Sunday, the NFC East is theirs. Since that rainy halftime revelation in the first Giants game, Wentz is 3-0, has put up 74 points, has completed 71% of his throws with zero turnovers and six touchdowns. He's who the Eagles drafted, who the Eagles paid top dollar for. We're entering week 17, and a win means Wentz will play in his first playoff game at home. His first playoff game, period. It's late December, I said to him on the phone, and you're healthy and you're playing. What's that like? Ha ha, he said, sounding like he needed to knock on some nearby wood. I mean, this is, it's God's plan. This is what I expect to be doing every year. I haven't been playing in these games in a while because of injuries, 
so thankful to be in a playoff type game, the kind of game I came here to play in. I expect to be playing in December and helping our team to get to the playoffs. I'm trying to make the most with what God's given me. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah week. You can enjoy family, friends, and the fireplace this week without having to worry too much about NFL playoff drama. A little lower in the column after I've assigned Joe Burrow to his home state Bengals, stick around to read how 31 seconds of Burrow emotion is translating to some life-changing philanthropy in one of the poorest parts of the country. Merry Christmas indeed. Regarding football, 10 of the 12 playoff spots are assured exiting week 16. And as I'm fond of saying, things change so fast in football that what seemed certain three weeks ago, including a crummy first-round playoff exit by a bad NFC East team, might not happen that way now. A Seattle playoff visit to the Lynx, should it happen, might be altogether different than Seattle's eight-point November win in Philadelphia. Wentz is different, the defense seems different, and some new guys aren't obstacles anymore. They're energy. It started with a 20 to nothing run after halftime against the Giants, when Boston Scott and Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside started making plays. There was an unknown factor to fans, to everybody, like, who are these guys and what are they capable of, Wentz told me. A lot, evidently, particularly with Ward, who caught the high-arcing touchdown to beat Washington last week. That Greg, he's a baller, said Wentz. To be cut and cut and put on the practice squad and cut and play in the AFL or whatever it was, he meant the Alliance of American Football, his journey is just an inspiration. You want the guy to win, to succeed. You know, all teams say this, but for us, it's been a game of belief. We all bought in and believed even when we were losing guys. We're fortunate to be in a division that's been beating each other up for a while now. Now we can win this last game, be 9-7, and seven, and get in the playoffs. One of the things I was proud of today was this was a big win for us, but all I heard in the locker room was, one more. We got one more. And maybe more than that. So that's the lead to my column. Let's just get into a little bit of discussion of each game that was played this weekend. So, let's start with Saturday. Houston 23, Tampa Bay 20. Look, we could talk about Jameis Winston for hours. And maybe we have on this mini pod in the last few weeks. But, you know, I've got a factoid in my column that Jameis Winston has led the, the NFL in interceptions. Obviously, this year, now with 28. He's led the NFL in interceptions since 2018, 2017, 2016, and 2015. And the question is, I think Tampa Bay's willing to make a deal to keep him. But will he want so much money that they're going to say, and so much guarantees that they're going to say, we're just not sure about this guy and move on? My gut feeling is they'll retain Winston. He's an electric player, but 
man, he threw four interceptions in this game and two others were dropped. It's, uh, it's something that's getting very old right now. New England 24, Buffalo 17. I thought that the Patriots played a physical punch-you-in-the-mouth game as signified by uh, the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter by Rex Burkhead. Um, man, is he a tough guy. I wrote in my column that I thought he had anvils for shoulders. <laughs> so uh, the Patriots, 12-3. and three. All they have to do is beat Miami, and they get a first-round bye. I mean, it's pretty incredible with all the trials they've had this year. San Francisco 34, the Rams 31. You know, a coverage mix-up in the secondary for the Rams. It was really stunning to me to see the Rams blow the coverage at the end of this game. And, boy, you know, if you look at the Rams right now, even though they're 8-7, and seven, it doesn't feel like an 8-7 and seven team. It feels like a 6-10 and 10 team. It really does. You know, they've lost in some very ugly ways. 49ers, meanwhile, what a what a good game by Jimmy Garoppolo. The more I see him play, the more I think he is the long-term answer, uh, almost without a doubt, in San Francisco. Atlanta 24, the Jaguars 12. We get into the Sunday games now. Boy, the, the Falcons are doing everything they can to try to convince Arthur Blank, hey, listen, don't shake it up that much here. We've gotten to six wins after being totally moribund. Uh, you know, give us a chance. So who knows? And, and as I write in my column this week, I think there's a real legitimate chance that Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, uh, is not going to fire Doug Marone. Now, I think Ian Rappaport also reported this on Sunday. And, and I'm just starting to hear that Shad Khan wants to see what the Jaguars would be like without Tom Coughlin breathing down everybody's neck there. Baltimore 31, the Browns 15. You know, another great show by Lamar Jackson. But something that's a little bit worrisome. You know, the fact that Mark Ingram suffered a calf injury in this game. I doubt you'll see him next weekend in the season finale against Pittsburgh. I mean, that's an interesting story in and of itself. Uh, you know, the Oakland Raiders can make the playoffs if four different things happen this weekend, one of which is Baltimore beating Pittsburgh. So uh, there's going to be a rooting interest in <coughs> in Western Pennsylvania, or I'm sorry, with uh, in, in, in Northern California and in Vegas with what happens uh, with the personnel in that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game this weekend. Indianapolis 38. And Carolina 6, man, the Panthers have fallen off a cliff. And I'm not sure you can really uh, blame them, but I always think that, you know, your, uh, your true character comes out in times of adversity. And this has not been a, an impressive time for, um, you know, for the, in, for the Carolina Panthers. So... I, I don't know who they're going to pick as their head coach. I don't think they know that either. But, and I'm not saying you got to hire a Coughlin type of disciplinarian, but you got to hire somebody who says, you know, we are not losing by 32 points.
to the Indianapolis Colts. Asterisk, Naheem Hines, uh, the return specialist and running back for Indianapolis, had 195 yards of punt returns. On only three returns, he averaged 65 yards a return, scored two touchdowns for the first time. A punt returner did that since 2012. Amazing. Uh, the Dolphins beat the Bengals 38-35 uh, to 35 after the Bengals came back with 16 points in the last minute to tie it. Just an amazing finish, including a perfectly executed onside kick. But uh, the real upshot of this is the Cincinnati Bengals clinched the top draft choice and are virtually certain, I would think, uh, to take Joe Burrow, the LSU quarterback. Uh, the Jets, 16, Steelers, 10. Look, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 8-7, and seven, which is a mini miracle in and of itself. But they've suffered a couple of really bad losses recently that uh, as much as you look at them and say, man, they've achieved quite a bit without their three big offensive stars, uh, two of whom are gone, one of whom Ben Roethlisberger's hurt. Uh, but it just wasn't good enough against the Jets, who, you know, the Jets are playing hard, particularly on defense. Saints 38, Titans 28. Uh, as you heard, I spoke to Michael Thomas afterwards. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why he's such a, uh, a well-liked and well-regarded guy is that he just keeps talking about how much more work he has to do to be good. Um, that is impressive to me. And he's probably going to end up with more than 150 catches. And who knows? Sean Payton might call some plays to, to really inflate that number. So we'll see what happens in the last game of the season next Sunday. So the Giants beat Washington 41-35. to Something a little bit sad about that. The Giants are now very likely have taken them out of the Chase Young Derby. The Giants need a pass rush so bad. And for an overtime win in Washington, and, uh, you know, a little, it's sort of a little bit of a sugar high, isn't it? That uh, they would win this game and their fans get excited for a couple of minutes. And then they say, oh, my God. We just lost the opportunity to draft a guy who could be the next Lawrence Taylor. And again, I don't say that lightly, but who knows? He's, uh, Chase Young is being described as a generational pass rusher, so we'll see. Um, Denver beat uh, the Lions 27-17, continuing to see poise, good play uh, by Drew Locke. That's on the Denver side, on the Detroit side. I mean... These guys are just not good. And what just really hits me about this team now is that everybody would think, well, you know, they're missing Matthew Stafford. It's understandable. Hey, a lot of teams are winning without uh, their quarterback. Uh, I think they've had a very, very depressing run late in the year. Uh, Oakland 24, the Chargers 7. Um, I mean, how crazy is this? Five things needed to happen Sunday for the Raiders to stay in the pennant race, Four, and all five happened. Four more have to happen next Sunday uh, when the Raiders travel to Denver um, to win 
or to qualify for the playoffs with an 8-8 eight and eight record. But next week is really going to be a crazy week because none of the four things that have to happen are out of the realm of possibility. Philadelphia 17, Dallas 9, you heard that. Uh, Arizona upset the Seahawks 27 to 13. Now the Seahawks are on their fourth running back. Uh, they lost their left tackle uh, and one of the best running backs in football too, uh, Dwayne Brown and Chris Carson. So um, I think this is a this is a real real test for the uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and game number 256, the last game of the season, when Seattle plays San Francisco at home next Sunday night. Wow. Uh, the Seahawks couldn't be in worse shape uh, for that showdown. Finally, Kansas City 26, Chicago 3. Um, I wrote in silence on Sunday night because I had so much to do. I didn't want to be distracted by the game because – if I turn the game on, I'm going to end up watching an awful lot of the game. So I turned it off, turned it on in the, <clears throat> in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and I, I just said to myself, man, this is, this is so unfortunate for the fans of Chicago to see Patrick Mahomes come in and just whip up on the Bears, knowing that that guy could have been theirs. But anyway, that's the way it goes. Uh, we'll see what happens in Chicago long-term with Mitchell Trubisky. It is going to be a challenge. And now for my adieu haiku. Brutal day for Hawks. Lose RB1, lose LT, and lose to cards. Yikes. Everybody have a great holiday season. My podcast will be dropping uh, in a day or two. Um, I'm going to have Amy Trask this week and uh, Amy Trask, the longtime Raiders executive and now the CBS media personality um, and football analyst. She'll be on my podcast this week. And also, I'm going to have an ode to Joe Burrow that you'll want to hear on my podcast this week. Thanks so much. Have a great Christmas, everybody. And uh, please, if you're out at Christmas, enjoy yourself. Be with family. Have a great time. And also, everybody, um, for those who are of the Jewish faith, have a wonderful Hanukkah week. And everybody, just try to spend as much time with your family as possible and just enjoy the time with the ones you love all the best to you and we'll be back with another fmia mini pod next sunday night monday morning
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.